Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you had a great weekend. Can't wait to talk to my pastor in studio today, Pastor Kevin Minsky, Christ the Rock, deep here, Wisconsin. And for those of you keeping score on ho- at home, it's right next to Green Bay. Um, and we are going to talk about what the difference is between a good church and a bad church or a biblical church and an unbiblical church. We're going to try to answer some questions. What do I look for when I'm seeking a sound biblical church? What are some of the priorities? And also, why are so many people looking for a church that they think is biblical? Why are they discontent at their current church or staying at home watching sermons online? We'll get to all that. I want to read a couple things. First, uh, an email. Every now and then I like to read uh, and share. I appreciate your comments, guys, and and just um, it's been such a blessing recently to hear from you. But uh, this is from Carla. Uh, She says, Dear David, I just read your most recent post. My heart became so joyful I nearly cried. By the way, I didn't know I had that kind of impact on social media. How refreshing to hear the truth so beautifully stated when every day all we've been hearing is the negative, evil narrative of the left. You said everything I've been saying and feeling for a very long time, yet have not been able to get very much agreement on. Sometimes I wonder if I have really been missing something that others so vehemently declare as truth. My frustration has been at an all-time high. Thank you for bringing up these things. I don't care, or I don't think very many people realize that about Saul Alinsky and Rules for Radicals and George Soros and Open Society Foundation. Uh, Please keep up proclaiming the great truth of God and Jesus in these difficult and trying times. He is our refuge and hope, and you are a source of hope and encouragement, a voice of reason, that makes me realize I'm not crazy. <laughs> I love that last line. No, Carla, you're not crazy. We're just in the remnant, the minority, and we are the truth proclaimers and defenders, and we're going to talk about that today. So I'm opening up with a quote, and then I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Kevin to open us in prayer. Charles Spurgeon said, You that are members of the church have not found it perfect, and I hope that you feel almost glad that you have not. If I had ever joined a church till I had found one that was perfect, I should never have joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it, for it would not have been a perfect church after I had become a member of it. Still, imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. And I want to stop right there and and emphasize the fact that we are so blessed to have our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our hope. And to fellowship with the saints and the believers. Like We had such a wonderful time yesterday after service. We had a, a, our monthly potluck fellowship time, and it was just overflowing with love and joy and building relationships and meeting needs. And it was just—I think that's how church should be, Pastor Kevin— Yep, so I want to open uh, with with you actually sharing uh, your heart in uh, praying for this podcast today. Thank you, David. Let's go before him. Heavenly Father, 
both for ourselves and for all of your people around the world. We commit ourselves to you now. We pray, Father, you would use us where we are planted for your glory. We want to see Jesus Christ lifted up and magnified. So, Father, go before us today. Guide us and direct us by your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, bring many sons and daughters to glory by the work that you've ordained to do. We commit this time to you now and pray that you would be lifted up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Kevin. Holy Spirit lead. Um, well, welcome back to the studio. Thank you, David. Yeah, uh, we are in uh, Philippians on Sunday mornings and uh, Wednesday night. Zechariah, I yes. love that. And it's interesting, it, the reason you, I think you were led to do Zechariah in the Wednesday night Bible study, is it because a lot of people just can't get enough of Bible prophecy? Well, that's absolutely one of the motivations. I like to always keep one foot in the Old Testament, one foot in the New Testament, because actually it isn't necessarily old and new. It's one book written by mm. one author, the Holy Spirit. Amen. And it's all united. It's one message system, and it all points to Jesus Christ, particularly Zechariah. I think mm. it's closer to Revelation than even Daniel may be or any other Old Testament book. Mm. Excellent. Well, w- one of the reasons we wanted to have you in today, we have gotten so many calls or emails through the years, and increased in the last two years since the uh, COVID uh, pandemic, whatever you want to call it. But anyway, since it, that's affected the church, uh, church was deemed non-essential, shut down. People started viewing at home. People started questioning what, why their church wasn't back up in meeting, and that affected a lot of people. So one of the things we're going to talk about is what is a biblical church in that context as far as meeting— We've talked often about the verse in Hebrews, I think it's 10, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, yourselves together. And you mentioned before we got on the air that one very obvious thing, first of all, a person can't have fellowship and use their gifts mm-hmm. at home watching an online sermon. So yes. let's talk about that. We'll talk about ecumenism and other things. Well, if you consider our history, it's such a unique time in which we live. We talk about being in an information age, and we are. You can pick up your cell phone right now and you can Google any piece of fact or information that's ever been constructed by humanity. That also means you can sit home alone and you can choose to watch anybody or anything that you want on a given Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. That is not church. God is a God of relationship and he reflects himself through love and then he reflects that love through you and I through one another in the local assembly. But aside from that, God has gifted every member of his church. And remember, you don't become a member of a church by signing a card or a piece of paper or walking an aisle or getting baptized. You're baptized by the Spirit into the church. So when you are, God has gifted you in particular ways, and he needs you. He desires you to use those gifts to build up that that local body and to advance his kingdom. If you don't, you get like the Dead Sea. Everything flows into the Dead Sea. It's very mineral-rich. So you sit home and you get all this information and watch all these pastors and listen to all this stuff. But if you never let it out, if you don't share it with anybody, you become dead like the Dead Sea. Mm. So you need to be invested and involved in a local assembly. Amen. So we can't emphasize that enough, friends. I know it's a lot of you don't like to deal with the church politics or whatever you, however you've been hurt by a church in your life. A lot of you are thinking, well, I don't want to go back there and do that. It's easier just to do this at home. Well, you just heard from a pastor, and we've been talking about this quite a bit, that that's not the way to go. No lone rangers in the kingdom of God. Uh, we need each other. I want to share something that was kind of disappointing about a new, um, a recent LifeWay research study, Pastor Kevin, 
um, 98% of Protestant pastors say, according to this survey, their churches are back to meeting in person. <laughs> Thank mm. God, <laughs> by now. Yeah. But three-quarters of them say they are still below pre-pandemic attendance. In fact, most pastors reported their in-person attendance being down roughly 30 to 50 percent. Your thoughts on that, and then we'll share a little bit more about what's going on locally here. Well, I'm a a fan of physics because God created it, and one of the things in (laughs) physics is this issue of inertia. So an object at rest tends to stay at rest. On Sunday mornings with COVID, people got used to not assembling, not Mm -hmm. going to the local church. Even if they went out and did different things in the community or whatever, now they're trying to make up for lost time. They're, frankly, living their lives for themselves rather than living it for God. Again, it becomes a matter of how important is the issue of the local assembly, mm-hmm. and do I really need to be there? Can I grow without it? Um, so that's why I think attendance is still down in some areas. Ours hasn't been yeah. uh, for various reasons, but there are fellowships that have totally closed, shut down, mm-hmm. and uh, that's that's tragic. That's sad, especially if they were good churches, sound doctrine, yes. biblical churches. That is sad. As you mentioned before we got on the air, the average church in America is about 100 people in the congregation. Um, and I do want to ask you, I'm putting you on the spot here. Um, and you, I gave, you gave me permission. You said, you know, we can talk about anything. Sure. Um, when I decided, well, we were on uh, staff at a different church, and, and we left a year ago or so, a little less than that. But we love Christ the Rock in Deep Pier, Wisconsin. Um, we didn't need to look any further. Um, I've I've known from a lot of other people in this area reporting to me different churches and what their beliefs are, what they address. You can see sermons online. You can go read statements, which we need to talk about that as well. Some church statements are really benign when it comes to what's on their website. But there were the the church um, has tripled, actually more than that, possibly quadrupled in attendance in the year that I've seen, that I've been able to witness this growth, and you are absolutely not one of those church growth preachers and pushers, building programs, and you want a bigger building, and you got to grow. We have have to have a coffee shop, and we have to do things to attract the world so we can grow in numbers. You are so, Mm -hmm. you're the antithesis of that, and yet this church is really flourishing as witnessed yesterday after the service and the, and the koinonia, the potluck. So just your thoughts on why you think that might be. Well, the first century church was birthed on the day of Pentecost, and it says in Book of Acts that God added to their number daily those whom he will. Now, we can pursue human means to, to get church growth going on. In fact, I get emails weekly from different people around the country. Hey, we can help you with church growth. No, that, I don't yeah. need that help. I pray mm. to the Lord, and his Holy Spirit will draw people in. I don't go to other <laughs> fellowships and try to snatch people away from there and bring them in. I'm not about numbers at all. I'm about edifying the saints, building up the saints so they can be about the work of the kingdom. Mm. So the church growth that we've experienced, we're doing the same thing we always did. We're preaching the word expositionally, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We worship in spirit and in truth. Mm. The the thing that I love the most about our fellowship is we truly do have a genuine spirit of love, and that mm-hmm. can't be counterfeited. People will discern right away whether it's genuine or not, and we're a house of prayer. I think those are the four pillars, mm. preaching the word in truth, worship in spirit and truth, genuine love, and then prayer. Mm. Amen. Well, Acts chapter 2, you kind of paraphrased that, Pastor Kevin. Um, 
there's a quick summary in Acts 2.42. Luke tells us that these new believers continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Another translation says Mm -hmm. they're teaching. What were they teaching? They were teaching the gospel about the Messiah in the Old Testament scripture. They were preaching. Yes. Fellowship, number two, you can't have fellowship at home. Breaking of bread, or another translation says the Lord's table, communion, and in prayers. Mm -hmm. These are four foundational things of the church. Um, We've had a couple guests on the podcast that I love because we differentiate between American Christianity and biblical Christianity. And I don't even know where to start, but we've got a checklist Mm -hmm. here on what we've... I've asked people, I've talked to the staff, I've asked you... What should we put together as far as things to look for, things people can look for in a good church? And what one thing we've got to address right off the top, Pastor Kevin, is a lot of people have different definitions of what is good or what is sound based on mm. their experiences, and they might not be looking for the right things. Yes. Well, I'll give you an example from overseas. If you think about our Christian brothers and sisters, for example, in China, They are very blessed on a Sunday morning to be able to gather secretly in a ditch or in the woods to lift up their voices and praise Mm -hmm. to God, not having a a fancy coffee bar when they go into the sanctuary, not having comfortable cushioned seats, Mm -hmm. not having smoke machines or anything else (laughs) like that. See, here's our thing in this culture today. We have been very, very blessed materially, but the flesh loves to be pleased, but it never is. It's always going to want more, so we're going to gravitate towards those things Mm -hmm. that not only make us comfortable, but give us physical pleasure. Mm. So I think we got to be very careful about what we're seeking. Is this from my spirit, man, or woman within me, or is this from my flesh? Mm. Is this a flashy preacher? Is this a guy with a nice suit or whatever? you gotta, you got to differentiate between all those things. So, again, we're back to what is the basis of the fellowship? The Word of God, prayer, love. It's these, these elements that cannot be substituted or taken away. And we'll add to that now. Um, we, we've established sound doctrine, the biblical worldview, the scripture, inerrant scriptures. You've got to have that belief, <laughs> the Absolutely. inerrancy of the scriptures. It is God-inspired, God-breathed, literally. Um, not necessarily that the writers of the Bible or the letters were inspired, but God's word, the word itself, these words are inspired. Love and truth, that that balance, and sometimes that's a delicate balance, as we know Jesus was a perfect balance of grace and truth. Um, so we've got equipping the saints, we've got discipleship, building families, we've got preaching the whole counsel of God. Uh, what I've seen in the last couple of years is people really coming to the realization that their church or their leadership are not willing to fight where uh, in this case it was an unbiblical government clamping down on the churches locally or, or regionally, statewide, uh, because of COVID, because of restrictions, medical tyranny. However you want to word that, a lot of our listeners understand what that was like. Government deemed the church non-essential. That's a lie. The Church of Jesus Christ, you mean Jesus Christ doesn't have any power? It's not essential anymore? The lifeblood? I mean, the only thing that can save you eternally and give you hope, power in the present now, and we weren't essential. But people learned, uh, Pastor, that um, their leadership was unwilling to face this, and that comes down to a misinterpretation of Romans 13 and other issues. So I would love for you to speak to that, because there are listeners right now 
who left a church in the last year or two, and that was probably one of the reasons they were thinking, why doesn't my church want to stand up to either government or something that was coming against us? Again, part of it is we're afraid of what we may lose. We have a lot of uh, material things in this culture, and people are going to be afraid of what that's going to cost them. But Jesus said we have to pick up our cross daily and follow him. We have to count the cost of this salvation that he has worked in us. I would, uh, I'll just read Ephesians 5, one verse here. Do not participate, verse 11, in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead expose them. Expose them. That's active. That's not passive. You don't shrink back and not take on those things that are actively assaulting the kingdom of God. We're not looking for those battles because, frankly, I want to go into that church and I want to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's Mm. what Ephesians 4 says. That is our primary mandate. And I don't like getting caught up in these things of, of the world that way, but we are definitely willing to do that because we know our ultimate enemy is Satan and we know his plans. His, his schemes, as Corinthians would say, we're not ignorant to those schemes. And does he want to shut down the church? Of course he does, because it is a construction of Jesus Christ himself. He's the chief shepherd. He walks amongst these lampstands, these churches, these light bearers. So we're going to fight back against that. You can look at Canada. You can look around the world. We know Satan's not going to stop. He's going to try to mm-hmm. shut down the fellowships. They tried under COVID. We pushed back on that at our local church. There will come a point in time, I firmly believe, that it is going to, it's going to be a major cost involved to do that, just like in Canada and elsewhere. Are you willing to do that? Mm. That's the question. That time will come, and you've, uh, we've only got two minutes left in this segment. And uh, by the way, we're speaking with Pastor Kevin Minsky, the pastor of Christ the Rock Church in Deep here, Wisconsin, right next to Green Bay. Um, you emphasize home fellowships. I mean, that's how the early church started. They met from house Amen. to house. Mm-hmm. And uh, you warned, you've warned our church that there may be coming a time where the government or, you know, somehow we may get, well, persecution may come, but we may, may get shut down or other things. And in that context, it would be very important to have an established group of believers that you've been assembling with. Just your, your thoughts on that possibility, mm-hmm. and it's coming. Amen. Well, there's the macro sense of it, and then I have a little ulterior motive for having done that in our fellowship, creating all these home fellowships. I am all about God's Word. It's, it's the Word of God that transforms our heart and mind. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind, by the washing of the water of the Word. I know human nature, basically. The good spiritual work doesn't necessarily get done on a Sunday morning listening to one of my sermons. People will remember two or three minutes of something, and I get that. That's fine. <laughs> So I love them to take that and go home to your home fellowship, dig into it personally, have six or eight or ten people around a circle, and you can really deep dive into the Word of God by His Spirit. That's where the real work gets done. Mm. So again, we're all about equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Now, having said that, if the time comes when we are shut down, if the websites are taken down or whatever, then we're also prepared that way. I don't want that to happen but we'll be ready if it does. Amen. And I would encourage you guys to speak to your pastor, whatever state you're listening in. I mean, we've got listeners from Guatemala, Canada, Mexico. Um, So speak to your pastor and your church leadership about that, making sure there are people meeting at homes because it may come to that point someday. In a lot of countries, it's already there. I mean, they don't even have a building. There's no such thing as a church building or program. They're doing it underground. But the persecuted church is often one that is accelerating in growth and thriving 
Why? Because they're prosperous materially? No. It's because that's what they have, the Word of God, and they are preaching the gospel and staying true to that. So we're going to talk about this list, what we should look for in a church, because that's one of the questions we get often here. Uh, gospel focus, prayer focus, uh, proper leadership, order of leadership, um, worship in spirit and truth, not entertainment on a Sunday morning. We will talk about that when we come back with Pastor Kevin Minsky on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. So my purpose today is not to ruffle as many feathers as, as I can. That's not what I I never go into a podcast thinking that. Uh, how can I offend uh, the largest amount of listeners? But these are important topics, and friends, we, we've got to separate ourselves from this push that we've had for decades of Americanism, American Christianity, about prospering, about being comfortable. Comfort leads to either indifference or apathy and an unhealthy church environment. If you're comfortable as a Christian, um, I would think there's a problem because the, Paul writes to Timothy that uh, those who uh, want to pursue, desire to live a godly life should expect persecution. And Pastor Kevin, I think you said something yesterday in your sermon about that. Uh, you mentioned that uh, if people—how did you word that? I think if you said if you're comfortable or if you're you're not experiencing oh, any pushback yeah. from your faith, how did you yeah. word that? What did you say one, in context? One of my self-tests when I look in the mirror is to say, you know, if I'm not receiving persecution, if I don't sense that the enemy is really pushing back against me and attacking me, Am I really making a difference in the kingdom work right now? Okay. So it isn't though we're, we're masochists and we're looking to be persecuted <laughs> or attacked, but that is a reality of the spiritual life. Mm. Satan is not going to sit by if you are advancing the kingdom of Christ. So mm. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. If, uh, you know, we're not uh, greater than our master. So mm. if the world hated me, it'll hate you, Jesus said. So yeah, we, we can expect that. And because we do expect that, we don't get thrown off uh, spiritually when it comes. First John chapter 2, um, John writes, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Mm-hmm. That's, those are some sobering words, Pastor. So we are not to love this world, and yet, what am I, gonna, what am I getting to here? We talked about this before we got on the podcast. Entertainment. Yes. I often refer to our nation as the United States of Entertainment. Mm-hmm. The church is not separate from that influence. So you mentioned worship in spirit and in truth, and we have all either seen or have been to churches who put a lot of focus on entertaining during the worship on a Sunday morning before the the truth and the gospel is preached before the sermon, but entertainment has no place in that church or in in the, the church of Jesus Christ, and yet this is how people think we're going to keep we're going to keep butts in the seats. Yeah. We've got to entertain mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Your thoughts on that because it is very dangerous because that means we are conforming to the world, aren't we? Well, absolutely. Again, if you're the opposite of worshiping in spirit and in truth is when we appeal to the fleshly nature. Now, remember our enemy is Satan. He's a he's a master counterfeiter. Mm. He will t- try to take worship and he'll counterfeit that and it's really just an appeal to our flesh. It gets us whipped up emotionally. 
even chanting or, or, you know, weird kind of frequencies being played in churches and things like that. For me, worship comes down primarily, again, to the words, to the lyrics, because you're expressing from your heart truth. God gave us language as a means for us to communicate the deepest thoughts of our soul. Mm -hmm. Jesus himself is the living word, the logos, the divine revelation of God. Language matters, words matter. So when it comes to worship, songs, lyrics, um, we got to be careful about that too. If it's just repeating 18 phrases three times, it's just vain and and, you know repetition. Are there? You don't have to name, say anything specific, but are there worship songs or are there things that I I just say should say songs that we not as not archer specifically, but Christians in general should probably not be singing at their church on Sunday mornings. But but yet you would put them in the worship. This is a worship song that category. Well, I think there's any number of songs that can be categorized that way now. Um, And part of that is, let's face it, people like to make money as well. So people will get into the music industry. Christian music is uh, a very lucrative business. Mm. So whether those songs are originated or generated by the Holy Spirit or not, uh, that's for the individual song to be judged, but always judged according to the Word of God. See, again, it's inerrant. That is our standard of all truth. It's the Mm. Word of God. That's why I love the old hymns and people call me a dinosaur, and I am. (laughs) I mean, look, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Amen. How do you get better than that? Mm. Christ alone, our cornerstone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could go on and on. I miss least. the hymns. I miss so some I. of those old standards. A mighty fortress is yep. our God, and go on and yep. on and on. Good theology. Uh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, I had a great conversation a week or so ago with Elisa Childers. Um, her dad is Chuck Gerard, and uh, she's an amazing— <laughs> very mature believer and podcaster and apologist. And she was in the music industry uh, with a band called Zoe Girl years ago. But she understood, she saw that. And I asked her about that. She was surprised that I got into that. But I know the Christian music industry is a business. So Christians, we have to understand not, and we've learned this when, when a spokesman for a band or a lead singer would say, yeah, I support the LGBTQ we have to understand these are just young people that are sucked into this industry, and they're, you've got to be careful when you know yes. a lot of it is about money. They've got to answer to their producer or their record label, and then they push them out on tour when they're in their early 20s, and they say, go play as many shows as you can and entertain people and sell as many records as you can. Do you think their focus is on sound doctrine and the lyrics of their songs? Not always. So be very careful, friends about what kind of music you listen to. So we're talking about the dangers of entertainment and how it's crept into the church. So that's one thing. Um, Pastor Kevin, we, we also really have to talk about how some churches, and this is one of the sadder things to me, that people write us and say, um, how can I encourage my pastor to preach on Bible prophecy mm-hmm. or on the book of Revelation? And you said, I think it was before we got on the air, that um, you know, some pastors just they didn't go to. If they went, not all seminaries are good, but they didn't get the proper training. They may have been trained on how to build a big church or grow a church, maybe, and they're trying to do that. But they haven't been trained properly in the Old Testament and in prophecy. Your thoughts? Yeah, and not to be mean to pastors, because like I said, most pastors are out there with small congregations grinding away, trying mm-hmm. to build up their bodies. Amen. Uh, and we need to be praying for them and supporting those men, and uh, you know, not. Not getting too hard on them. However, Mm. when it comes to this issue, it comes down to one very basic, simple reason. 
We teach prophecy because it is in the Word of God. Mm. God's given it to us, which therefore, by default, we are supposed to be teaching the whole counsel of God. In fact, prophecy is two-thirds of the Bible conservatively. (laughs) So you're leaving out most of the Scripture if you don't want to pursue that. We need to be pursuing that um, for for a thousand reasons that come to my mind right now, but Mm. just one is the fact that, you know, the reappearing, the coming again of our Lord Jesus Christ is our blessed hope. We should understand what that means and why are we looking up? Are you even looking up? Mm. Are you looking to next week's paycheck and then I can go to the lake or whatever? So again, this is all going to end at some point. It may not end in our lifetimes, but it may. Jesus is coming back. We need to understand that. And we, meet, we need to be exhorted in those things. And the signs. What signs to look for? You know, I think of Matthew 24, Mark 13. I think of you know, Zechariah and others. What kind of signs will be taking place? I mean, we're uh, some people disagree that, that we have gone through a pandemic. Call it whatever you will. But you, know, you think about end-time signs of, uh, you know, earthquakes, famines, uh, pestilence, natural disasters, things like that. We are experiencing some signs in our lifetimes that really haven't been as frequent as they have been. And if you don't know Scripture, mm-hmm. it could instill some fear, couldn't it? Oh, absolutely. That's the number one thing I'm dealing with in the last year and a half uh, from people in the body of Christ. It's fear? a spirit of fear, mm. whether about the pandemic or whether about what's going to happen with the economy, what's going to happen with the world situation, any number of things. But we keep pointing back to the, to the fact that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. Nothing is escaping his notice. Nothing's going on apart from his hand. He is the sovereign God of the universe. Psalm 2, we always go back to that. Why do the heathen rage and the nations devise a vain thing? What are they Mm -hmm. devising? World domination, to try to take this earth away from God, Jesus Christ as the creator, and rule it for themselves. That's not a new model. That's not a new theme. That goes all the way back to Genesis with Nimrod at the Tower of Babel in the plain of Shinar. That evil world system is going to be taken back there, according to Zechariah chapter 5, 5 through 11. And then it's detailed in specific in Revelation chapter 17 and 18. Mm. I read something this morning in uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4. It was very sobering. Um, you know, Paul names names <laughs> yes. in, in the mm-hmm. Bible. And I'm looking, oh, yeah. I'm looking for the verse now, but basically at, uh, he got to the end of his life. After he just exhorted Timothy Talking to— about Demas? Yes. Having who, loved this having present loved world, this present he's world. forsaken me. Yeah. Now, Demas was in the church. He was very helpful in the ministry with Paul and Timothy there, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, he was a right-hand man with them. Yeah, no, so, no doubt. So, so Demas, having loved this world, what happened? I mean, it, if it could happen to someone that was working with the Apostle mm-hmm. Paul, yeah. why would we think that we would not be tempted to love this world? Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you another one, John Mark, right? When Barnabas and Saul began their first missionary journey, Mark was with them, and he couldn't hack it. He was a young guy, and he shrunk back, and he ended up just going home. But when you read that same letter in 2 Timothy, Paul graciously this time says, hey, send Mark to me. He's profitable for me in ministry. So he got restored. Demas did not. Mm. That's a danger. You have to ask Mm. yourself, was Demas really born again to begin with? And I always make this point to our fellowship. Look, folks, look around you. Just because you're in a church sanctuary this morning doesn't mean everybody here is born again. Satan plants tares among the wheat. That's an important conversation to have because there are people, and and we don't always know, we don't often know 
Right. But God knows the heart, and there are people that are not converted, um, truly converted. They might be in a church physically, mm-hmm. um, but boy, we, we've got some training and discipling to do. And we, we've, yeah, go ahead. Well, and that's First John. You know, John addresses that. They went out from us because they were not of us. If Ooh. they would have been of us, they would have remained with us. But the fact that they went out from us shows that they were never truly of us. Hey, Paul talks about that in Philippians. We're going through Philippians on Sundays as well. He says, some preach Christ out of envy, and some are just trying to make money, and some are just trying to grieve me. There's any number of motivations. People are in the church. Some people think it's an ATM. They think it's a bunch of people Mm. that they can get stuff from. Most, however, are truly loving Jesus Christ and trying to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. The positive side, I don't mean to sound negative about the tares issue, but The positive side of that is I always remember that for this reason. I am never going to take for granted that you're sitting in that sanctuary and you're born again. I'm Mm. going to make sure every Sunday you're going to hear that gospel message just to make sure that you're without excuse, that you have an opportunity to yield your heart to the Savior. So in one of those parables, this is really astounding, and maybe you can just break this down a little bit and just share. Um, It says, talking about the tares, it, it clearly says... An enemy has done this. Correct. So explain what that means, because that's like, wait a minute. So this mm-hmm. isn't a person just coming in and just all of a sudden follow, loving the world. This is the the enemy, meaning Satan. Yes. Plants at midnight weeds tears. So please explain yeah. that. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Every word in the Bible is there by design by the Holy Spirit. He says specifically in that parable as well. The enemy came in at midnight. So when they weren't watching, when they weren't watchful, what's going mm. on in the body, he came in and planted tares. I'll give you a historical example, Dave, because you know I love history. <laughs> Back in the Civil War days, the soldiers would change uniforms, and they would go and sneak into the enemy's camp late at night when everybody was asleep. Then everybody wakes up the next morning, and if it's a large enough group of men, they don't notice these different guys in here. So they get the enemy's plans, and then the next night they would sneak back out. And then they would go back to their own troops. Well, that's what Satan is doing in the church today. Wow. He plants his people in certain fellowships because he wants to upset, upset the work of the kingdom. Hmm. Jude talks about that. Jude talks oh, about the, yeah, yeah, contending for the faith and talks about those who were, you know, in the body in the, in the in, as far as they were with the fellowship, but then they they crept in unnoticed. Is that the right Unawares. word? Unawares. In the King James, yeah. Wow, they so so people were oblivious and not aware that enemies got into the camp, so to speak. And that's where I, the shepherds, the, the local pastors, the elders, that's where they come into play more so. You can't have every member of the body running around assuming everybody's a terror, or you're never going to have openness, you're never going to have love, you're never going to have fellowship. Mm. But make no mistake, I'm, I'm personally always watchful in the fellowship. I just don't assume things, mm. um, and that isn't, you know, I think that that's biblical. Uh, so, Kevin, we've got three minutes left in this segment. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about this gathering in Dallas. Actually, mm. wait a minute. It, it happened over yeah. the weekend. Yes. A multi-faith gathering. Uh, evangelicals met with Muslims and Jewish faith leaders, and it's it's all about ecumenism. You mentioned uh, you had something to share about the Pope and and he's all for this, by the way, the one world religion uniting together, and which is amazing to me in light of certain scriptures about being unequally yoked and a warning that Paul gives. So we're going to talk about that. But if you could just give one or two 
things for people because they're going, okay, well, what can you narrow down other than the importance of the emphasis of the inerrant scriptures and the word of God and sound doctrine? You mentioned prophecy. What are other things people can look for when they need to find a church that's going to actually equip them? Uh, I'll tell you the number one thing we need to look for is the pastor preaching against sin. Mm. Our God changes not. He is a God of holiness. Now, we don't come into relationship with him by our works, but nevertheless, he is a consuming fire. He is holy. He desires us to walk in righteousness. He empowers us by his Holy Spirit to do that. So we need to be very careful that we are confronting our own flesh. And that is entirely uh, off the table, it seems like, in most fellowships today, because you're going to offend people and drive them away. I don't want to offend or drive anybody away, but I have to preach the whole counsel of God. I care about your eternal soul. I'm a sinner, just like you. And if I don't crucify this flesh daily, like Paul said, Hmm. it's over with. Sin is going to consume me. I am going to be like Demas. I'm going to shrink back to the world and go after those things of the flesh. And it doesn't necessarily mean you even lose your salvation, because I do not believe you lose salvation. That's something you never paid for in the first place. It was secured in eternity passed by God. However, you can certainly lose a lot of spiritual rewards that you want to be laying at Jesus' feet on the day when you stand before your Lord of glory. Mm. You, uh, that's such an important point. I, I wasn't even, I, I had it in different words on my checklist here. Oh, okay. But there's so many churches I've heard from different people and the ones that I've been to, there's that some church leaders do not like to address the uncomfortable issues mm-hmm. when you're thinking, well, how are we supposed to warn and how is the Holy Spirit able to come in and convict unless it is preached from the Word of God? So addressing and exposing darkness preaching biblical truth relating to things such as abortion, what's Mm -hmm. going on in our compromised culture, entertainment, government, education, social, political, moral issues, the LGBTQ. Is that biblical? Well, it's duped a lot of people. So these are things, from what I just heard you say, a lot of pastors, for some reason, do not preach against these things. And this is what we've got to look for in a church Pastors must be unashamed of the gospel and the whole counsel of God. Uh, thank you for making that point. That's a great way to end this segment. So when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about that movement. Another Charles Spurgeon quote for you. And uh, we'll be right back with Pastor Kevin Minsky on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Pastor Kevin Minsky, Christ the Rock Church, De Pere, Wisconsin, right next to Green Bay. He's in studio. And uh, we said some things, he said some things off the air. I, we weren't going to go here right now, but we need to. He shared a Greek word called polis. And I want you to explain that because you've mentioned it a few times in your sermons, Pastor. And uh, a lot of people think that we need to—they've fallen for the second biggest lie in America, the separation of church mm. and state. Christians shouldn't be involved in government or politics. Please share from what you shared earlier. Yeah, at least uh, two different places just in the book of Philippians alone, that root word of polis, which means—we get our word politics from it in English, and it means the affairs of the city. If we are—think about it even logically— as well as spiritually, if we're to expose the works of darkness. Mm. And our city government, state government, federal government are doing things that are clearly contrary to God's word as our standard of life and truth. We should be opposing those things. Now, 
you have to do th- do things decently and in order. You have to do things with grace. But nevertheless, you can't just shrink back and ignore those things because that is tantamount to putting your light under a bushel basket. You're hiding the light of Christ. So we, ne- we have to expose the works of darkness. We just be- we need to be careful how we do it. Mm-hmm. Tone and yeah, approach, yes, yeah. absolutely. Truth in love, Ephesians Amen. 4.15. Amen. Um, so I found out firsthand uh, a couple years ago, was it the middle of 2020, I preached a sermon on the difference between Christianity and Marxism. Why did I do that? Why did I choose to preach on things like race? Because the Black Lives Matter global network that is Marxist-driven had seeped into churches, and there were Christians locking arms with this movement and even supporting them. And I'm shaking my head going, how do people not understand that there's a difference between the idea of Black Lives Matter and the political, global, anti-Christ, anti-family movement that's behind it. And so people didn't do their due diligence, but that was one of those sermons, Pastor, that Mm -hmm. was probably one of the more controversial that I've shared. And um, it was really amazing. I saw a little little divide among the body, Um, but that is very political when you start talking about that because that was overtaking our cities, our culture in the summer of 2020. Your brief thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. Well, there again, I always have, to, as a pastor, have to be careful, especially what my focus becomes. I've seen whole ministries become more so social justice type causes. Thank you. And for me, it's always about the gospel of Jesus Christ first. Amen. That's what he's called me to propagate. But when it comes down to addressing things that are clear sin, sin, hamarty in the Greek, missing God's mark, his holiness, then we have to uh, we have to confront those things in the proper way. Amen. And we've got to contrast what is biblical compared to what is unbiblical. And it's sad. It's almost sad that that, that had to be done. And I think I've heard some great sermons on that mm-hmm. from different men of God, the remnant uh, across the country. But we are running out of time, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about ecumenism. And, and the Pope has been pushing this for years. And over the weekend, there was a multi-faith gathering in Dallas of religious leaders from evangelical churches and Muslims and the Jewish faith. Um, Why is the, I mean, I'm looking at Dr. Muhammad Al-Aisa, Secretary Secretary General of Muslim World League. He was one of the speakers. Um, Walter Kim, President of the National Association of Evangelicals. Zinant Rahman, Executive Director of Unif- University of Chicago Institute of Politics. Mm-hmm. Christine Kane, she's a progressive author and founder of Propel Women. Um, ambassador Rashad Hussain, newly appointed Ambassador of International Religious Freedom. So, Pastor Kevin, why is why might not this be a good thing when it appears on the surfaces? Yeah, why wouldn't we want to unite and love our neighbors, so to speak? Well, frankly, the every other religion— I hate to even use that word, but every other religion in the world preaches a false gospel. It's a works righteousness-based system. So how can you align yourself with someone who denies that we are born again, that we're brought into relationship with God by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, Hmm. alone? You can't compromise on that. That is the foundational tenet of Christianity. And if you do, then you have to really question whether you're a Christian at all. Now, this ecumenical Uh, ecumenism, that is nothing new. And and again, I'd go back to uh, ancient Babylon, the Babylonian mystery religion, and the plain of Shinar, Genesis 14. But that is going to— Share a little bit more about that. Don't just throw throw that out there. We have a lot of newer listeners that go, well, what happened then? What happened in Shinar? Yeah, you go back there, (laughs) and you'll you'll read about this guy named Nimrod, and he was literally the first world dictator. So they built Mm. this 
this Tower of Babel, and it's really an astrological temple of worship. They took the old uh, Israelite Maseroth, which were the signs of the, in the heavens that point at the gospel of Christ, and they tried to corrupt that. And they formed this, what we call the, the Babylonian mystery religion. Every other culture, by the way, whether the Greeks, the Romans, the pantheon of the gods, all of those things take their root from that in, back in Babylon. It is going to end up in Revelation chapter 17. That's the harlot, the great harlot. That Bab- and she's even called Mystery Babylon. So this isn't something contrived. This is biblical. And then in chapter 18, it's the false world economic system that gets judged, mm. but all under the Antichrist. Amen. Thank so, you. Thank you for breaking that down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so back to this gathering that just took place. There's many. There have been many through the years. We have. Uh, we were years ago in the early days of the podcast. We were, I will say, preaching against what uh, Rick Warren was doing and the Purpose Driven Church movement and his peace plan, global peace plan, and his uh, the common word between us between Christianity and Islam. There was a movement called Chrislam mm-hmm. that was going for a while there. So. There are some dangerous things that can come out of this when we start compromising a little or maybe with the best of intentions, but uniting with the world. Yeah. Again, ecumenism is is not a new thing. If you think about, again, the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, that first uh, 30 years or so, the church flourished, but it flourished under persecution. Hmm. Remember, the persecution broke out. They were then scattered into the known Roman world which it was perfect timing. They had the Roman roads. They had the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. You know, God knows what he's doing, folks. <laughs> he, he, he birthed the church in Jerusalem, then he carried them out throughout the known world. But what's interesting is you, you get into that second and third century of the Christian church, and some, most of you are familiar with the term pantheon. That simply pan means all or worldly, theos, God. So all of the gods. So the pantheon was really a temple to false worship, and it contained all of the gods. They had little cubicles in the pantheon. All of these false gods were put in there. The Rome, the Greeks even created a spot for the Christians. They said, here, you can put an image of your, of your god Jesus Christ in here as well, and they refused to do that. What's interesting is all those false gods are gone now. There's only one in there, and that's an image of Christ. Of mm. course, we don't have images of Christ, but it's the, the principle behind it that Jesus Christ stands alone. So they wanted to incorporate Christianity into Mm. the false pantheon of Greek and Roman gods. Why? It waters it down. The gospel becomes of no effect. So again, this is nothing new. It ultimately comes down to world control. They want to steal control of this world away from Jesus Christ as the true King of kings and Lord of lords. Of course, it's never going to happen, but there's going to be a lot of uh, interesting things that are going to come about as a result of it. Mm. Wow, we could we could do a whole other hour on this, but we're <laughs> yeah. down to about six minutes, Pastor. Um, and I'm just looking at a, a, some scripture from Second Timothy. Uh, Paul told Timothy to entrust these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others. And then he said, "Share in the in the suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ." And I'm looking mm-hmm. over at Ephesians four and eleven and twelve, talking about he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And uh, he writes about deacons, also the qualifications for deacons. Now, mm-hmm. I just want to give you or give you an opportunity to share a little bit about the importance of that order in the church with elders, deacons, pastor, because some people don't understand what is proper. Well, again, Jesus Christ mm-hmm. is the head of his body, the church. How does he run that church? He uses us, human beings, to advance his kingdom on this earth, just like Satan uses people. 
to try to advance his kingdom or stop Christ's kingdom. Uh, pastors and teachers, of course, talked about in Ephesians 4.11. Paul greeted the deacons and the elders when he would write letters to different cities. Paul himself, with Barnabas, appointed elders in all of the cities when they went on their original missionary journeys. Uh, deacons are talked about Acts chapter 6, and it was an effort. Uh, if you want to break it down in a very simplistic form, elders would be the spiritual leaders in the body, and then the deacons are about service in the body. And that's literally what diakonos means in the original language, Deacon. those who serve, hmm. right? And it frees up people, for example, I have a responsibility each week to teach God's Word, to preach God's Word. That requires prayer. That requires time on my knees before the Lord. Mm. I don't just come up with things on my own. I'm trying to determine, Lord, what do you want to say to your people? Mm. So that takes me away from other uh, other responsibilities. But when you have deacons that can carry those things out, then I can more effectively do my job. Every job is critical in the church. Everything, to me, is equal. There's you know, nobody higher than another, yet they're all critically important. We're one body with one shepherd. Amen. Amen. Pastor Kevin Minsky, Christ the Rock Church, De Pere. A few minutes left with you, and I want to get your response to another outstanding quote by Charles Spurgeon. We mentioned earlier that all who desire to live godly will be persecuted. Mm -hmm. Spurgeon says, whenever the church has been thoroughly distinct from the world, she has always prospered. During the first three centuries, the world hated the church. The prison, the stake, the heels of the wild horse, these were thought too good for the followers of Christ. Mm -hmm. When a man became a Christian, he gave up father and mother, house and lands, nay, his own life also. But then was the age of heroes. That was the time of giants. Never did the church so much prosper and so truly thrive as when she was baptized in blood. The ship of the church never sails so gloriously along as when the, body, the bloody spray of her martyrs falls upon her deck. Mm. We must suffer and we must die if we are ever to conquer this world for Christ. Amen. Well, it's one of the great tragedies of the, the fourth century, 325, when Emperor Constantine, people falsely think that he made Christianity the actual official religion of the Roman Empire. He didn't. He, mm -hmm. he issued what's called an edict of toleration. His goal was to simply incorporate everything in, again, to one religion. That's always Satan's plan. Hmm. He wants to just get ecumenical because then it's meaningless. There's no power there. And that's why we have things like Christmas today. And, oh, let me I get going on that. Boy, we're <laughs> going to get stuff in the mail now. So, you know, Constantine in 325, and from that came the birth of the Roman Catholic Church. A lot of good, uh, mm -hmm. beautiful brothers and sisters in, in the Roman Catholic Church that are born again. But as an institution, as a church, so much unbiblicalness, mm. uh, so much ungodliness entered into the world through that. Oh boy, we we're so down much. we're down to two minutes, but I I'm always struggling to find an answer for those who will who trust in God and maybe they are born again and they are mm -hmm. they're saved Christians and yet they are remaining in that system under those teachings of the Pope or teachings about Mary and other things and um, it it really is heartbreaking and confusing. That must be a very I, I know it's a very difficult mm -hmm. system to break free from your quick thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, again, that's where we're back to where we began. What is a good church? It's got to be a biblical church. And and I wrote something briefly, if I could try to get it in. Sure, do it. Uh, the Church of the Living God is the pillar and foundation of the truth. Christ alone is the head of the church. In regard to the truth, the local church is a place where the Bible, 
God's only truth, has complete authority. Hmm. The Bible is the only infallible rule of faith and practice. So when you're seeking a church, attend one, and you should try to find one where the true and pure gospel is preached. Uh, Sin must be condemned. Worship is from the heart. Teaching is biblical. Opportunities to minister to others exist. Hmm. So you can search out any religion in the world today. Measure it according to the standard of Scripture. If it doesn't measure up, then run. Mm. Go the other way. Yeah, I like what you said earlier. There's so much emphasis in all these other systems on works, mm-hmm. on trying to be a better person or uh, uh, reaching a different level or doing good things, you know, scoring points or whatever. Yes. And we are saved by grace through faith. Amen. In Christ alone. Pastor Kevin, thank you for your time today. Thank you, David. God bless you and continue to prosper in Jesus' name. Uh, your ministry. Um, So tomorrow we're excited to have uh, Carl Kirby back with us. He is with Reasons for Hope. And there are two things. He's got a new video out, which I don't know how we're going to get both of these subjects in in the hour. But the video, it, it was spot on, and it is about critical race theory. So they've got a video about that and how it is unbiblical. So tune in. You don't need to take my word for it. Listen to Carl Kirby on that. And plus, they've got a brand new book out at their ministry. It's called Did Jesus Commit Suicide? And 27 Other Questions That Teenagers Are Asking About the Bible. Carl Kirby tomorrow, Reasons for Hope. And by the way, if you want to share your thoughts on something maybe we didn't go into depth on or touch on as far as what to look for in a good, sound, biblical church today, please email comments at standupforthetruth.com. And friend, no matter where you're at, you've got a mission, you've got a purpose. Keep standing on the truth of God's word and proclaiming it boldly, faithfully, always Lord willing, led by the Holy Spirit. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.